Hey, this is Brian Golden. I am the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for taking the time to listen. And I just want to let you know if you are in the greater Tampa Bay area, we would love to have you join us at one of our gatherings. And here's the thing about Centerpoint. Our vision is really simple. We want to be an alternative to church as usual for all people. And that just means we want this to be a safe place that welcomes everybody, doesn't matter what your background is or really where you're at on your faith journey. And so if you want any more information about our gatherings, go to our website at centerpointfl.org. And then most importantly, whether you're a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just in that place of investigating faith, I really hope today's message encourages you and really helps you to find life and freedom in Jesus. Hey, good morning, church. It's good to be with you. Man, how y'all doing in church today? Man, you're doing so good. You're doing so good. My name's Justin. I'm the Next Gen Pastor here, and it is so good to be with you and be in your living room with you. Hopefully, it doesn't look like this mess, but man, hopefully, you are having a great morning where you can uh, stay in your PJs. Some of you aren't even wearing pants right now, and that's a good thing because if you showed up here not wearing pants, you might need to find a different church because that's not the kind of church it is. Uh, I'm the Next Gen Pastor, and before we jump into our brand new series, I just want to let you know about our CC Kids ministry because uh, for a lot of you, if you're like uh, my wife and I, we have three kids who who love CC Kids. Man, our crew at CC Kids kills it every single weekend, providing an incredible opportunity for your kids to hear about Jesus and connect with Jesus. And the cool thing is, through this season, your kids are going to be bummed that they don't get to go to church, which is really cool because you want your kids to like church. But what's even cooler is you right now as parents and grandparents and other authorities, other guardians over the children, you can make a difference in their lives. If you go uh, to either our Facebook page or our Instagram profile for CC Kids, uh, it's Centerpoint Kids on Facebook and it's uh, CC Kids FL on uh, Instagram. You can go and in the uh, post that we just did in our profile on IG, you can find a link to our YouTube channel for today specifically, videos for elementary and for preschool, some worship videos for your elementary kids. Also, in the description of those videos is where you can click to go find the small group guide. And small group guide, some of you are like, I can't teach my kids about Jesus. And here, you totally can. You just take it, click it, follow the link, and ask them questions. And just sit and talk about it. Because that's exactly the same thing we do every week at CC Kids. I just want to make sure you have the opportunity to do that. And also... Last thing I'll say on this is we're giving away a family pizza party for people who post and tag us in that stuff. So be part of the community for all of us, honestly, even through the next several weeks with us doing church online. What I'd say is this will be either as personal or as impersonal as we make it. Right, like we're gonna do everything we can to create a sense of community and talk right to you and let you know like we are here for you. But also what I encourage you, just like you do every single weekend on, on and week in, week out here at CC, is interact with us. So comment on things. If something that is said, whether it's a kid's videos or through uh, worship or through the message that we're gonna share, like if something resonates with you, uh, comment on that, post that, do that. So that way other people can respond. Just like for a lot of you, you will talk back, you'll clap your hands, you'll do things to help other people people feel comfortable and know, man, that was impactful to me. You can do the exact same thing here. And what I also would say is make an opportunity to just connect with your neighbors and your friends. Like next week, have a pajama party, make some cinnamon rolls. It doesn't matter if they're from a can or from scratch, that doesn't matter, right? But make some cinnamon rolls, hang out, sit around, have some mimosas, have some oranges, whatever you want to do, just hang out and chill and be the church right in your community. Because that's what we're talking about. Over this next couple of weeks, one of the things we're going to talk through is what we do as a church, who we are as a church, and, and simply what we do. 
Now for all of us, no matter who we are, what we do is based on the things that we value. Right, like you take that to like your health. You exercise because you value, maybe it's looking good, maybe it's feeling good, maybe it's living into old age. Like some value system is dictating what you do and how you regard, uh, how you handle your health. Maybe it's your finances. Some of you value the, all the new and latest things, so you go out and you buy those things. Some of you value having financial security for the future, so you save money. Like what you do with your finances is based on what you value. Or maybe it's relationships. Again, like what you do with your life is based on the things that you value. And one of the things I think for most of us that we value above everything else is we value acceptance. Like we want to be accepted by peers. And maybe uh, you're in middle school or high school right now. Uh, if you're not, think back to that. For some of us, it's going to be a lot longer of thinking back. I'll give you a minute. I'll tell you guys, every single week I get to speak here, like we're going to have fun in church. And it doesn't matter whether you're in the room with us or in your living room. I'm just going to assume everything I say is funny for you. So I'm just going to receive all the laughter through the TV and have a good time in church. So think back to high school, middle school. How many times the things that you like changed on the people that you liked? Like you think about that, like, like you're over here, like, man, country music is, is horrible. I hate country music. And then you see a cute whoever, and they like country music. And pretty soon you end up liking country music. Or you're over here, like, man, sports ball is dumb. I don't even know how they keep track of score. I don't even know any of that stuff. And then you, you see a cute whoever over there, and they like sports. And you're like, oh, well, I'm going to change who I am because you want to be accepted by them. And whether that's in high school or middle school with relationships, whether that's in job interviews, like you put the best foot forward in job interviews or on first dates, or you say, hey, like, I'm going to be great. And, and for a lot of us, first dates can be really, really bad, or they can be really, really good. They're really, really bad if it's awkward. Maybe you're set up by a friend, and it's just painful, and you can't get out of there fast enough. Or it's really, really good, and that's the best date you ever go on with that person because they're their best foot forward because they want to be liked by you, and you want to be liked by them, so you hide all your stuff. But the reality is like all of us, like if we can be honest, all of us have uh, like a mess in our lives, right? Like all of us hide, we try to cover up, we try to clean up the mess that we have, right? And, and hopefully your living room doesn't look like this right now because if it is, uh, you're probably by yourself. We can tell this is definitely a family with young kids um, in, in here. And, and here's the deal, like we want to hide our mess. We want to cover things up because we want to be accepted. And sadly, a lot of us do that with church too. Because what, what has happened in our culture, if we can be real and we can be honest, is a lot of times the church talks about love but expresses judgment. And maybe that's your story. And maybe you're, you're thinking through like, is this a church? Even like you, you got invited by some neighbors and you're here watching this on the TV and you're like, man, the, the worship was great, but like, what kind of church is this? And this is a great series for you to be uh, starting with us because we're talking about what we do. And, and one of the things that we do, the biggest thing that we do, we talk about this all the time is we create, uh, we take away every unnecessary barrier for people to find life and freedom in Jesus. Like that is who we are. That's what we do as a church. And, and with this, the biggest thing is Jesus but I'd say the second biggest thing is people. Like we want people to find life and freedom in Jesus. We don't want to simply create a space and hope anyone who, like, you know, we want to be very specific. Like you right now who are wondering if you'd be accepted in church and you're thinking, man, how much of my mess do I have to clean up before I can come when you all are back gathering together? Like, like how much do I have to clean up before I can come be part of the gathering? What I'd say is you don't have to clean any of it up. Except for like wearing pants. You do need to wear pants at church, okay? So don't get too comfortable with that. Again, 
I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna think you're laughing. You're on the floor right now rolling around having a good time. And this is one of the things that we do primarily because we wanna tear away every unnecessary barrier so people can find life and freedom in Jesus. One of the things that we do as a church, probably the primary thing we do as a church is that we walk towards the mess. We see people who are broken. We see people who don't have it figured out. And we see people who are coming in who honestly, their lives are a mess. And whether we see it or not, Honestly, for some of you, you come into church and it seems like everything's perfect, right? Your social media accounts seem like it's all like rose petals and rainbows and puppies and all sorts of fun things. But here's the truth. If you have a puppy, you know it's not always fun all the time. And you know that your life, if you're honest about it, is a mess. And if I'm honest with you about my life, I have a mess too. And this is the problem where, honestly, again, with church so many, so many times, we go into church and we think we have to clean things up. But if we look through the life of Jesus, which I think is one of the most powerful things we can do. So we look through the life of Jesus, we see that Jesus constantly walked towards people's messes. He didn't try to stay away from it. And he addressed it in a number of ways. There's like this guy, maybe you know the story, this guy who's, who was rich and he was young and most likely he's powerful. And he's like, man, he's awesome. Like if you were hiring somebody, you wanna hire this guy. If you were going, trying to date someone, trying to get someone to marry your kid, you would want this guy to marry your kid. Like, like this guy had it all figured out. And Jesus talked to him and saw his mess and said, man, you have so much. The problem is so much of your stuff has you. And like you have all this money, and money's not a problem, but loving your money is where the problem is because there won't be any room to love anything else, basically. And he addresses this guy's mess. The guy who seemed like he had it all together, maybe that's you. Or, or there's another woman, a story where this woman's caught in the act of adultery and is brought to Jesus. And all these religious leaders are around them saying, man, Jesus, what are you gonna do? How are you gonna judge her? How are you gonna condemn her? And Jesus gets down with her and pulls her face up and says, hey, I'm not gonna condemn you. Because I see right now, like, you're living in your mess. And I'm not going to condemn you, but I also love you enough to not just leave you where you're at. And you don't have to clean up your mess, but I will clean it up for you. So Jesus constantly is walking towards the mess and helping people and embracing people in their mess. And there's one story in particular where Jesus is traveling, uh, and he's going from a southern part in Israel to a northern part in Israel, and he stops and he talks to this woman. And some of you, you, you know the story, it's called the, the woman at the well. Uh, maybe you've been in church for a while, and you're like, man, I, I know that story backwards and forwards. Or maybe this is the first time for you. And, and what I'd say is we're going to have uh, the, the chapters and the verses here, the scripture we're going to have right here. I'm not going to read all of it because it's a lot of verses. And I only got so many words I can say today, right? But you can read it. I'm going to give you the highlights through it. You can read it. I would encourage you, pull out your Bible. Some of your Bible's on your phone and you're, you're watching right now on your phone. So I guess that's kind of tough. So we'll have it right here. And this is this video. So Jesus is going from Judea, which is a southern part of Israel. And he's traveling down from Judea up to Galilee, which is like a central part. Like if you saw a map, he'd be going a couple miles north. And he has to go through this area called Samaria. And as he's walking through Samaria, he stops at this, this city named Sychar, and it's, it's near this area where Jacob, this like ancestor of the Jewish people, he had some property and he gave it to Joseph and they had stuff there and they built a well there. So it's like a common area where people, hey, we're traveling and we stop at this well. And the, the thing that's crazy is Jesus got tired as he was journeying. And he sits down at this well and it's about noon and it's, it's not this big mess. So he sits down at this well and it's important to, to not acknowledge that Jesus got tired because it shows that Jesus was human. 
See, sometimes we get this idea of Jesus, he just kind of like floated around, like crossing people and sprinkling holy water on people. And like, we don't think about the fact that Jesus, like Jesus went through puberty, like every other dude, he had like that crusty mustache for a season in his life. He had pimples, his hair had bad hair days. Like he like, like all sorts of things. We, he got hungry, he got hangry sometimes. Like, like Jesus was a hundred percent man, but also I believe that Jesus was a hundred percent God. And the reason that's important for us, because how many of us get tired in life? Like how many of us, even as we're trying to control our mess and we're working through things, like how many of us, like you're exhausted and you feel like, is there anyone that knows how I feel? And what I'd say, even through this season where we're doing online church, like this could be one of the most powerful launching pads for your life to find community by inviting people over to your house that know and experience the same stuff as you. This is why my wife and I, we have a group of people, there's five or six other couples that most of us all have young kids and we can talk through and we can hug each other and cry with each other and laugh at dumb things that our kids are doing and go through the grind of raising young kids together. And it's important to know you have people that can associate with you and Jesus is one of those people. Where you're tired, you're worn out, but Jesus also gets tired and worn out. So he's sitting there and as he's sitting there, a Samaritan woman comes over to him to draw some water and he asks her, hey, will you give me a drink? And John, the guy who wrote this, the guy who was an eyewitness of the accounts of Jesus, who he wrote this letter so that people would know who Jesus is and believe in him. And G, again, John was an eyewitness of Jesus dying. And if you watch somebody die and then you want to get a bunch of people to believe in that person, there's probably something special about that person more than just the fact that they died. So John helps out with parentheses. He says, hey, the disciples, we all went into town to get some food. And the Samaritan woman looks at him and says, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And again, this is where John helps us out with the, the parentheses because it says, for Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Now, now to help you with some of the context with this area, the reason why Jews don't associate with Samaritans is because there's a, a real racial tension there. Where Jews and Samaritans, uh, like Jews would refer to Samaritans as like half-breeds. Because these were people, an uh, entire city, entire group of people, a community of people, that half their family was Jewish and half their family was Gentile, which is not Jewish. And what would happen a lot of times with the, the family of Abraham, Isaac, or with the family of Israel, the Jewish nation that eventually you know, became hundreds of thousands of people, is that God promised them, if you follow me, I will bless you. Like if you follow me, if you do the things I tell you to do, things are going to be really, really good for you. And honestly, most of the stuff is, is wisdom. Like if you're just wise in life, I'm going to bless you. Things will be great. If you don't obey me and you walk away from me, then what I would do as a loving father, what I am going to discipline you with the intention to always bring you back to myself. It's never discipline to distance you from me. It's discipline. I'm going to bring you back. Parents, think about this. A quick side note. As you discipline your kids, make sure discipline brings the child back into relationship with you, not away from you. That's why even when I discipline my kids, one thing we do almost every th time, and it's not every time, because again, we got a mess. We're working through stuff. We want to hug our kids and tell them, I love you no matter what. And I don't say that because that's original with me. I say it's because that's, that's what God tells me. So the discipline would always be to bring Israel back. But what happened is a lot of times that discipline looked like a foreign powers, empires, armies coming in and occupying Israel and really trying to break apart their culture, break apart everything they would have. And what happened most of the time is like the Persians came in and then the Babylonians came in and they would start breeding with the Jewish people. They'd be given and taken in marriage with each other. And it was kind of the tactic is, hey, we're going to colonize these cities. We're going to basically outbreed this people group. 
And then from that, you would have a pure line of Jewish people that didn't intermarry. And then you'd have an impure line as the way they would look at it, of these people that were racially uh, divided, where one half is Jew, one half is Gentile. And, and I think, this is just like my thoughts, I think one of the big reasons that Jews hated Samaritans because the Samaritans reminded them of all the pain and disobedience in their past. And every time you looked at this person, you would know, man, my ancestors went through horrible things and we don't have things because of what our ancestors did and you're a representation of that. And even furthermore, she's looking at Jesus as like this Jewish teacher and she's thinking, man, like, like Jewish teachers don't associate with women hardly ever because they were so worried about their reputation and thought maybe something inappropriate is gonna be happening. So I won't even talk to women because people might talk about it, but Jesus didn't really care about his reputation. He cared about this woman. And he goes to her and he sees her. And this is what he said, which is crazy. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asks you for a drink, you would ask him for a drink and he would give you living water. Now she's kind of puzzled because she's like, wait a second, we're at a well. I'm from this area. Like, where's this living water? And she even goes into, hey, you have nothing to draw from the well. Like this well is really deep. You have nothing for that. Like, where can we find this living water? And she's asking living water in the sense of like, at that time, living water meant any moving water. So like a river, a stream, a brook. And so she's thinking in her mind, like I'm from this area. You're not from this area. It's pretty obvious. I go to this well because this is the place to get water, to find nourishment, find provision, and to take care of me. And you're saying there's somewhere else in Samaria where I can get living water. Like I can get satisfaction somewhere else. And then she goes on to ask her, are you greater than our father Jacob? Again, this ancestor that we had, are we greater than him? That he drank from this well? And like, 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 how are you, like, like explain to me how you know where stuff is that he didn't know. Like, and she's, she's really confused. And Jesus looks at her and he says to her, everyone who drinks of this water is gonna be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give them will become in them a spring of living water welling up to eternal life. And Jesus actually isn't talking about water anymore. But she didn't get that because she asks him, hey, can you give me this water so I won't be thirsty and have to keep coming out to draw water? Like she's, she's not sure what he's talking about. And Jesus did this all the time. And he wants us to be able to understand his messages where it's not just true, but it's really clear and it's helpful for your life. And Jesus is taking something that is common and teaching a profound truth with it. Jesus did this all the time. He's saying to her, hey, you are thirsty in a way that Gatorade or water could never satisfy. I have what you're thirsty for. And she's trying to figure out what is this water you have? What is this source that you have that I would never be thirsty for again? And Jesus, before he tells her what it is, he asks her, hey, go call your husband and have him come back to me. Like, go get your husband and come right back to me and then we'll start talking. And she, she said, I have no husband. And Jesus thought, hey, you're right. Like, you're right, you have no, you have no husband. You're right that, that things haven't worked out. And Jesus, in this moment, is going to her, and he is talking to her about her. And he goes to her mess, and he addresses it, and he says, I know you don't have a husband. You've actually had five husbands, and the guy that you're with right now is not even your husband. Now, even according to our current standards in today, like that, that's probably about like four too many men in her life, right? 
Like, and, and here's the reality. Some of you have walked through the pain of the divorce and the pain of dysfunction, the pain of a, a loved one dying or a spouse dying. That's an incredible pain. And what Jesus is telling her, I think, in this moment is not just that I know your story, it's that I know your struggle and I know you. Like, I know what it's like when he died. I know what it's like when you, you didn't know what you were going to do to make ends meet and you found yourself out on the street and you were begging for food and you were humiliated because you were not pure anymore. I know it was like when the first guy came along, he started showing you affection and attention and you responded to him and you thought, oh, like this could be love. And you realized pretty soon once you got in there, like, yeah, he provided for you, but he also destroyed who you were and you had to run away. And I know it's like when he hit you, I know it's like when you had to walk away from that and then you saw people staring at you. I know that you're out here at noon when it's one of the hottest parts of the day because you were not accepted by anybody else. I know what it's like when you feel dirty and when you feel broken and when your soul is crying out as tears stream down your face as you go to bed at night asking God, is this all there is in life? Jesus says, I know. And this is the thing that's so powerful is Jesus saw through her mess. He saw right past it and he saw his mission which is the seeking to save the lost. So yeah, I know, I know you got all this trash. I know you got all this stuff that's happened. I know like you're embarrassed of all this stuff and you're trying to, you're church people. So you're trying to hide this stuff and you're trying to show off your Chick-fil-A. And like, I know, I know you're trying to get to a place where you were accepted by everyone around you, but I don't care about all that mess because I have a mission here in life. And that's to lay my life down for those who need it. To find thirsty people and to give them the living water that satisfies to do something spectacular in this world and unleash a power that the world has never seen and never able to duplicate and never able to manufacture on their own where we can have people going out and embracing people in the mess. And this is what we do as a church. This is what we do. We look at people, we don't see their mess. We see God's mission to seek and to save and the loss of which we are part of that group. And it's crazy because then she goes on, she says, sir, I can see that you're a prophet. And our ancestors, you know, they worship on this mountain. And you Jews, like you guys said, we shouldn't worship here. We should worship somewhere else. And what she's doing is the same thing we do so much of the time. It gets personal. It gets uncomfortable. And you're sitting, you're messing. You're trying to hide stuff and cover up. And like, no, it's not that bad. And like, how many of us, for real, you have friends over your house right now to watch church. And you want a crazy cleaning spree before everyone got there. Because you don't want people to see your mess. And what she did, she took the attention off of her personal life and put it back into, uh, we can almost say like a political or a theological, doctrinal, a corporate argument of, hey, let's not talk about me. Let's talk about us and you and me. And like, let's talk about big picture stuff because it's getting too personal. It's getting too painful for me. And Jesus goes on to talk to her about how the Samaritans are worshiping in this mountain and they're not totally sure what they're worshiping. The Jews worship at the temple because that was God's plan is that the temple would signify and dwell the, the work of God and the spirit of God, the power of God. So people would have to go back again and again, sacrificing at the temple to satisfy God and to find acceptance in God. But one day there's gonna be one giant sacrifice that covers everything. You won't have to need the temple anymore because God's power, God's spirit will be indwelling us and we will go out and we will be the temple. And that's what we're talking about we are the church in the community yeah. it's not about buildings it's about you right now at home sitting with your family sitting with your friends sitting by yourself and saying I am I am the church yeah. and this is what we do because here's the reality our building cannot walk towards the mess 
it's our gathering, the people around us, that we walk towards the mess. And Jesus talks to her about the question she has, a theological question that she has. But then she goes and she, she says, hey, I know, like I know that there's one coming, the, the Messiah who's called the Christ. And when he comes, he's going to explain everything to us. He's going to make everything clear. He's going to make everything right. We're going to understand all the things. Like I know when he comes, it's all going to make sense. Which, can we just be honest? Like, so much of life doesn't make sense. Like, she did not grow up hoping that she was going to have five husbands. And think about through those relationships, through her mess, how often does she find herself thinking, man, this does not make sense. And how many times do you find yourself saying, this doesn't make sense? I need someone who has greater knowledge and information and wisdom than me to explain things and the Messiah, the promised one, he, he's called to be God, and he will be able to explain everything to us. I think for you, there's things in your life right now that you go, man, I need an explanation. There's some dysfunction, there's some hurt, there's some thirst in your life. You're like, I wish someone could explain this to me. And what I would say is, while you are unique, the brokenness and the thirst that you have is not unique. And the pain that you went through could be unique, but the cause of the pain, the root cause, I think, is not unique. See, because the Messiah had to come to restore everything because everything's broken. And that's why I can say with confidence that you have a mess and I have a mess because I know I have a mess. and I know everything's broken. We're not supposed to have diseases. We're not supposed to have death. We're not supposed to have dysfunction. But when humanity turned away from God and walked away from everything that is good and right, the only thing left to walk towards is things that are broken and messy. And we can't help but walk towards that direction. And this was crazy. She asked, like, hey, the, the Messiah is going to come. And then Jesus declares to her, which is, this is really unusual for Jesus. He, he, like, never did this. He said, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Like, I am the Messiah. And what's crazy is, again, there are times in Jesus' life, as you read through even, like, John's account of Jesus' life, people wanted to, like, make him the king. People wanted to, like, bring him up and rally, like, this political revolution. And Jesus would be like, no, nah, I'm good, and just kind of walk away from that and just go around and kind of be in obscurity and kind of be out on the outcast of society. He didn't come out with big banners that, hey, I'm the Messiah. He wasn't telling everybody. He just told her. And this is, the, this is the issue for, for us as followers of Jesus, even for some of you as you're questioning and, and wrestling with faith, you're, you're trying to figure things out. Maybe you're agnostic or skeptic or, or atheist. Like, like what I'd say is this is the issue you have to solve. Is Jesus Messiah? Is Jesus the promised one? Is Jesus God? And what I'd say is sometimes in our culture, like because we still live in a fairly like Christianized culture, we can look at things and say, well, Jesus was a good moral teacher. Jesus has a lot of good advice. Like Jesus was like a leadership guru, maybe if you're in a leadership. Jesus, like, like I like some of the Jesus stuff, but not all the Jesus stuff. And, and here's the problem. If you say that Jesus was just a good moral teacher, honestly, that just doesn't make sense because Jesus never claimed to be a good moral teacher. And even his claims would make him a bad teacher, not a good teacher. This guy named C.S. Lewis, a brilliant guy, like really smart, like a brilliant, like the level where he was like a literary scholar at the University of Oxford. He had a position teaching at the University of Cambridge, like really smart. Like honestly, if, if we're real, like we couldn't even get into those schools to study probably, uh, but he got to teach and hold high offices in those schools. Uh, maybe the name's familiar because you as a kid or, you know, about 15 years ago, they made those movies, The Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, like C.S. Lewis is a guy 
who wrote those books that eventually turned into the movies. He was a, a brilliant guy. And this is, this is what he said. He, he brought this idea of a, a trilemma of Jesus is either a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's the Lord. And this is what he said. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He'd either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. You, either this man is, was and is a son of God, or else a madman or something else worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit on him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He's not let that open to us. He did not intend to. And here's the reality again, and this is kind of hard because this is kind of like the dividing point. And we talk about tearing away every unnecessary barrier for people to find life and freedom in Jesus. Like I would say the, the only thing that we don't tear away is Jesus is God. Like we're not gonna change on our message on that. You're totally welcome to come. Like you can come watch online. Some of you have been watching online for weeks because you're not sure if you wanna come and invest relationally with some people here because you're not sure what you believe. And so we talk about you can belong before you believe. You don't have to agree that Jesus is God, but you just need to understand, we believe that and we're not going away on that. Like this is like the core of our faith. And what I'd encourage you, as you're investigating faith, what I'd say, first of all, like, like really investigate it, like put some hours into it. But investigate what Jesus did, not simply what he said. And try to look at it and see even, this is something that's kind of crazy, is Jesus went into a Jewish culture as a Jew and, and tried to start a religion claiming to be God. And the issue with that is the Jews are monotheistic, which means that they believe there is only one true God. Like there are no other options. It's the one true God. I'm not a God, I'm the God. And that's like the worst possible situation to go into to try to start a religion. Like if Jesus would have went to like the, the Greek culture or the Roman culture, or even at like some Eastern cultures, like he, if he would have went to them and said, hey, hey guys, I'm a God and he could do some special things and he could do this and that and the other. And like, man, like they would respond really well to that and they would hold him up as a God. You actually even see the followers of Jesus when they go to Greece, they're heralded as gods and they had to stop and say, no, hey, we're not gods. Like other cultures are really receptive to the idea of multiple gods. The Jews were not. They said, no, there's only one true God. And if Jesus was simply a moral teacher, and did not claim to be God, then there was no reason to kill him. Because yeah. if you read through the account of Jesus' life, they murdered him because he claimed to be God. They didn't murder him because he claimed to be a good moral teacher. And I get some of you are not there, like you're not there yet. And you're like, I, I just don't know. And this is what I would encourage you to do is just try it out. Just try it out. Just, just do the things that Jesus says to do. And some of you are like, oh, I don't I want to feel like I want to do you don't ever want to feel like doing the right thing, right? Like no one ever feels like eating kale. Nobody ever feels like getting up super early and working out. Some of you are like, that's totally me. Like, shut up. You're different than the rest of us. You're probably crazy in some way. But like, there's a lot of good things in your life you don't want to do and you don't feel like you want to do them. But then after you do them, you go, man, that was actually good and beneficial. And Jesus, in his life, in his mission, he called people to a do first faith. So if you're investigating faith, you're trying things out, what I'd say is just try it out. Do what Jesus says to do and see if it works out. Because if it works out, that probably means he has a little bit more legitimacy to what he's saying and who he's claiming to be. So Jesus goes and he, he's talking with her. And again, you even see this idea that Jesus is not simply a life coach because he did not offer this woman advice. And she needed advice. He didn't say, you know what's wrong? Sit down on my couch here. Why don't you lay down? 
let's talk through this a little bit. Like, here's the problem. You have these problems. Your dad issues are major and you need to work through some of this stuff. And like, he didn't sit down and like psychoanalyze her. Although some of us, like, we do need that. He didn't offer advice. He offered her life. Apparently this is not a Baptist couch or... Here's the deal, though. Jesus goes and he talks with her. It's okay. You can laugh about that, okay? Some of you, even in your living room, come on. You're sitting there. You're like, are we allowed to laugh at this stuff? Like, how did they get this? Where did this beer can come from? Like, I don't know. I was going through my neighbor's trash. We'll just say that, okay? I'm just kidding. That makes me sound really creepy. Love your neighbors. I'm protecting your neighbors, right? My neighbors wouldn't do drink trash beer like that. Here's the deal. <laughs> Jesus didn't offer her advice. He offered her satisfaction for her deepest needs. And then when she understood what he was talking about, she leaves everything and run back in the town and says, hey, come and check out this man who's told me everything I ever did. Could he be the Messiah? Could he be the promise? Could he be the one that all of our entire area, all of our ancestors have been waiting around, watching, trying to figure out who is this person when they come? Like, what are they going to do? And she goes, I think I met him. Like, I've been going around from man to man to man trying to find satisfaction, trying to find everything I need. And this guy doesn't offer me the love that only takes away because that's not love. Love doesn't pressure you. Love doesn't take things from you. Love gives. Love sacrifices. Love says, I'm going to lay down my life for your good. And, and she's realizing this guy has a different love than anything I've ever experienced. And she runs back into town. And she says, man, you guys got to come around this guy. You got to hear from him. Now here's the reality. Jesus could have went into the city. He could have reached everybody in the city. He could have went and talked to all of them. He could have had his guys. He has a you know, crew of guys with him. He could have said, hey, guys, gather up a crowd. You know, I need like at least a couple hundred people to be able to speak so that way it's worth my time. But Jesus, did, Jesus didn't care about the crowds. He cared about the one. He cared about her. And that's exactly the same heartbeat we have. One of the things that we do as a church, we walk towards the mess and we are for the one. And that's why we tear away every way, every unnecessary barrier for people to find life and freedom in Jesus because you have somebody you want to find life and freedom in Jesus. I have people I want and I hope they could find life and freedom in Jesus. And for us, it's family members and it's neighbors and it's people that we grew up with and people that we used to know and all sorts of people. I wish there was a church like this in their area. I wish that they could come and experience life and freedom in Jesus. And this is what we do as a church. And for you, this is what you get to do. I wanna be super clear. Like this whole series, one of the things that we're trying to do, and this is what I want you to do, even though you're online right now, like I want people to sign up to serve to make a difference in our community. Because you, no doubt, as you've come in, you go, man, I love this place. Like the worship is incredible. The messages are good. Like the kids' ministry is phenomenal. Like everything's great. Like I love this church. What I tell you is, is don't fall short of simply loving this church and not loving the community that this church is in. And you can be part with us to make a church that tears away every unnecessary barrier for people to find life and freedom in Jesus. And you might be saying, like, dude, I don't know about the Bible. Like, I don't know that I, like, you talk about this story, like, this is brand new for me. I don't get it. Like, I'm unqualified. And here's the reality. Even this woman, think about it. Jesus told her to go get her husband. She didn't want to go get her husband. And then when she understood who Jesus was, she went. And Jesus made a difference in her life. And she went and told everybody about Jesus. The only thing that qualified her was that Jesus made a difference in her life. 
Like that's the only thing that mattered is that Jesus changed her life and she went and just talked to other people about that. And this is the incredible thing. You have the power to be the reason that someone loves this church. You have the power to be the guy or the lady out on the parking team welcoming people in and people go, man, I love that y'all tell me where to park. I love that you have a spot for me. Or maybe you're greeting people at the front door. You're working the cafe or you're up here. If you have the ability, you're, like, you're leading the worship here. You're serving with kids ministry. You're doing safety team or you're leading the community. You're like, you have the power because God is in you to say, hey, you can make a difference. You can be a movement in my city. You can walk towards the mess and you can see through people's messes and say, hey, there's a mission that we have as a church is to create a place that everyone is welcome and create a place where anyone who's thirsty can find satisfaction and this is what we're looking over the next three weeks and it sounds crazy and some of you are like man this is crazy I was even thinking through this as we talked about going online like like we're looking for a hundred people to step up and say I want to be part of this team reaching our city and it seems weird because like we're all online right now and like, well, I, I mean how can we do it and this is what I'd say is God's power is not confined to a building or a room and right now there are people, you're not plugged in anywhere. You're not making a difference. And you think that you're happy, but you have no idea how much more joy you could have as you make a difference. I think about a lady named Liz who serves with our kids ministry and our velocity ministry. And she comes in all the time and she talks about how, thank you so much for letting me do this. Liz, I love you. You do an incredible job. Our teams love you. You are great. You bring life into this gathering. You bring life into the kids ministry. And she comes in and she goes, I was coming for so long and, and I didn't like, thank you for letting me do this. This is so incredible. I love doing this. So if you feel unqualified, what I'd say is, like, has Jesus made a difference in your life? And what you can do on our app, you can go on our app, which if you don't have it, download it. Search Centerpoint Florida and you can get that. It's free. Download it. Go to connect and then serve. And then there's signups there. Fill out the information. We need 100 people. And for you, it's easy. Oh, 100 people. 100 other people are going to do this. But I think you right now, you can make a difference. But also there's another group of people, like my heart goes out to the unqualified people because you feel like I can't do this and I think you can, but there's another group of people that honestly, you're just uninterested in this. If I could speak kind of straight up and real talk, like if you are not walking towards the people that Jesus is walking towards, I question which Jesus you're following. Because Jesus walked towards the mess and who I am walking towards shows who I am following. So if you come into church and you sit down and you experience something and you leave and you never have the desire to follow up and serve anyone and to love anyone, like, like what version of Jesus are you really following? But this is the thing is you can start. You can sign up, you can start right now. You can make a difference. I wanna be, again, super clear. We as a church, one of the things that we do, we walk towards the mess because we love people and we serve people because Jesus served us. And we want a hundred people to sign up. And this is the thing that's so crazy. As you even look at, you look at our, our graphics for this, you see like the addition, the multiplication symbol, right? And what, what happens when you add yourself to what God is doing, he will multiply. And this is the powerful thing that when you add, you step up and serve. We have a hundred people who say, I'm gonna step up, I'm gonna serve. What God does, he multiplies it and he will give us the ability to reach another three to 400 people in our gathering. Because we need to launch a fourth service sometime. You all know we've talked about building a larger auditorium. We can come in, and although you can't feel it right now, and I can't feel it right now, like we fill this place out at the 9.30 and 11 o'clock every single weekend. And we need to create space for more people to find life and freedom in Jesus, and you can be part of that, so sign up. 
But again, for every single one of us, and this is the thing that's, that's, that's so crazy for all of us is, again, the core of what we do is, is we walk towards the mess. We love people because Jesus loved us. And Jesus, for every single one of us, he came and he saw us in our mess and he sat down with us and he said, I know you're thirsty. And maybe for you today, you'd never would have put words to that. You never would have said, yeah, I'm thirsty. But you look through your life and you go, man, I'm so thirsty. Like I've been going from relationship to relationship to relationship, trying to figure out and, and fill that void, that thirst I have. Maybe you're trying to fill it with stuff. Maybe you're trying to fill it with people. And maybe you're going, man, like if we just had a baby, then we'd be happy. If we just had a baby, then we'd be happy. And then you have a baby and you realize babies poop a lot and pee a lot and cry a lot. And they're a hot mess all the time. And you go, man, this didn't make our relationship any better. And you go, man, I, I am so thirsty. Can I tell you that thirst is the brokenness of humanity? that we were all born into, that we didn't choose, but just his reality. And Jesus came and he said, hey, humanity is broken. God looked at humanity and his heart broke for us. And he said, we will make a way. Even from the very beginning, when humanity turned away from God, God said, we are going to make a way. There's a Messiah coming. There's a promise coming who's going to restore all of humanity back to us because we love them so much. And they're walking towards you, they're gonna destroy them and break them. And they're sitting in their hot mess and they feel like it's good and it feels good in the moment. But we know because we know the future, it's not gonna satisfy them. And God said, would you turn towards me? Because when, when you turn towards me, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna trade you, I'm gonna replace your mess with my best. I'm gonna take your brokenness I'm gonna take everything that you think will satisfy you. And right now it feels good. And right now you want it to satisfy. I know you like, it's enjoyable for a season, but you're gonna pay for this later to some degree. Would you just turn towards me? Yeah. And for some of us in, the, in, in your house, you're going right now like, man, I'm thirsty. And, and maybe it's porn. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's a materialistic thing. Maybe it's, this is funny. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's acceptance for people around you. Man, I am so thirsty. Can I tell you something? This is going to sound bold and you're going to feel uncomfortable. If you're sitting with a group of people, would you just look around with them and say, y'all, I'm thirsty. And you say, y'all, like, like, just tell them. Because here's the deal. They're all thirsty too. Just admit it to other people. This could be the starting point for what God wants to do in your life where you just admit I'm thirsty, you admit your brokenness and this is what God will do. He will take your brokenness and he will give you his blessing and he will give you his best. And I think all over the place, all over the city, we want to respond and I wanna help you respond. So I wanna pray. And again, this might feel weird because you're in your living room, but y'all, we are the church right now. The power of God is here with us. So would you just close your eyes, bow your heads. If you're with people, do it out of respect for people around you. If you're by yourself, and this is what I'd say, close your eyes, bow your heads, and just put your hands, palms up, and just receive what God has for you. And would you just admit, I am so thirsty. And again, I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe, maybe it's a sexual thing. Maybe it's a material thing. Maybe it's a financial thing. Like, like, I don't know what it looks like, but here's the deal. Just like God knew this woman, God knows you and he knows what you need. So just acknowledge it to him that I am thirsty. And this is what the truth of scripture said. You keep your hands, palms up, that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus had a mission in life 
that he wanted to seek and save you. He wanted to seek and to save me because we're broken. And what scripture teaches is that when we believe and what we believe matters, when we believe that Jesus died in our place and rose from the dead, see, because we have all broken God's law. Not only are we broken and thirsty, like we are broken people, so we keep breaking things. And God is perfect. And he says, because you've broken my law, Someone has to fix it, but the beauty of God's grace is that he said, I will fix it. He doesn't ask you to. He comes in, he says, hey, Jesus is the Messiah. He lived the life that you could not live and he died the death that you deserved because your punishment for what you've done is death. And Jesus said, I will go instead of them. So would you admit you're thirsty and will you believe that Jesus is willing to satisfy that desire? believe that he had the power to, believe that he is strong enough. No matter what it is, he is strong enough and he is able because that is what his resurrection proved, that he is strong and he is able. And would you just turn and trust? And you might say, oh, I got questions. I don't know. Keep your hands, palms up. I know you got questions. God's not worried about your questions. He's not afraid of your questions. He invites questions in. You keep your palms up and saying, God, I wanna receive what you have because I'm tired of being thirsty. And if you have received a version of Jesus that has left you worn out and tired and beat up, that's not Jesus. Jesus never used those terms to describe himself. He said, I'm gonna give you rest. I'm gonna give you comfort for your souls. If you're not being comforted by Jesus, I think you're following a different Jesus than the Jesus of the Bible. Or would you with your palms up just say, I wanna turn and trust Jesus. I wanna receive what he has and I wanna, I wanna walk in the life he's given me. I wanna walk in his satisfaction. And what I tell you is, if you're watching online, what you can do is you can, you can pray out loud. You can tell Jesus that you want to turn and trust him. You can tell him that you, you know you need him, that you wanna allow his death and resurrection to pay for everything for you, but also in a real practical way. And this is not like opposite of a spiritual thing. This is real practical. There's a button on our website, on our app that says, I've decided, would you just click that or message us, direct message us on Instagram or on Facebook or the people in the room with you and just tell them, hey, I wanna follow Jesus because the reality is, you are thirsty and Jesus is satisfying, but sometimes we don't go to the well. And sometimes we wanna go back to things that don't satisfy us. And we need people around us to remind us of how good Jesus is. So you clicking that link, you reaching out to people, we wanna walk with you. We wanna love you. We wanna help you remember God's great love. And again, with palms up, let's just pray together as we close. We're gonna sing a beautiful song about God's love, but God, thank you so much for what you're doing in our gathering. God, amidst all of this craziness in our culture, God, we can walk towards the mess. We can love people. We can embrace people. Thank you for this time, God. Thank you for this word. Thank you for your hope in yourself. And God, we want to give you our mess and accept your best. We love you. And it's in your powerful name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, 
Would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.